Let's give God praise. Let me, let me just say just a couple of things because I'm not going to be long today because I don't need to be. But most of us need to understand that something happened because we were in the spiritual prison and we couldn't get out. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter how good you were. It didn't matter how good I was. It didn't matter about any of that. You just couldn't get out. You were in prison. You were trapped, and I was trapped in the situation of a bad character, a bad life, something that happened before you were born that it wasn't your fault that happened because of our father, Adam. He sold us out, and we were put in a prison, and you and I couldn't get out. Stuck in our habits, stuck in our iniquities, stuck in our generational curses, We were so mad about being in prison, we literally became self-exhort with ourselves, trying to survive on our own merit, and we couldn't do it. Nobody in here, me, no one in here, qualified to get out of your prison. You couldn't do it. It didn't matter. Nobody could save you. Nobody could got you out. Nobody had the keys to our cages. We were there, and we were stuck. And it did not matter about what you did because you were still condemned to a sentence of eternal death. You were in the prison. You were sitting there and you were handcuffed to your own character, your own personality, your own sins, and you could not get out. And no power in this world could have got you out. Nobody. Matter of fact, you are waiting the final sentence of eternal death. Let me tell you about eternal death, and I'm just going to be real with you. Eternal death is not just dying. Eternal death means that you are awakened to a life of nothingness with pain and misery. It is called hell. The Bible talks about Lazarus when he died. In the Old Testament, Jesus tells the story uh, and, and tells the story of this, this rich man dies and this, uh, this uh, beggar that was sitting at his gate. Every day he went in, he fed scrumptiously. He was rich. He, he could have helped him, but he didn't help the poor man. Didn't help him. Didn't care about him. Could care less. He was thinking about himself. And he died. The beggar died. And then the rich man died. And the Bible says that the rich man awoken or transitioned to a place of Hades. And notice something. He could feel, he could taste, he could see, he could experience. And what he had was a memory. And that memory he had was the memory of him not helping the beggar. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Because this is important because if you don't and I don't change our lives, we're going to live in the nothingness of a memory because there is no future. And that's where we were going. Every single one of us. I don't care who you are, including me. We were headed there. Nobody was going to save you. Nobody was going to take care of you. Nobody was going to do anything for you in this world because they couldn't. They just could not do it. 
They didn't have the power to do it. They didn't have the tenacity to do it. They didn't even have the knowledge to do it because every single one of us, as Isaiah said, we groped around in a dark place as though we were blind and we couldn't see our way because we couldn't see our way. And as a result of it, the sentence was death. How great God is that Satan, Lucifer, before he became Satan, God judged Lucifer and he never, ever asked for, and never could get forgiveness. But now, you and I are in the same boat. Forgiveness could not come. It just couldn't do it because we were bailed. We were in sin. We were in a prison. We couldn't get out of that prison. It didn't matter what we did. But let me tell you something that happened. In God's love, in God's divine love that he had for every single one of us, he looked beyond what we were. He looked beyond of the prison that we were in. It didn't matter to him if we were in prison or not. Because, like I said before, nobody in this world could have got you out. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about he looked and searched, and he couldn't find nobody. So he says, I will extend my arm. I will extend my love out to grab them out of that place. But before they can get grabbed out, I need someone to pay the price. Somebody has to stay and has to stand in their, st in their stead and is going to have to pay the penalty for what has been done. Our rebellion, our sins, our mindset, our character, our deceit, our iniquities. Every generational thing that has come upon us, every curse, every sickness, every disease, everything has to be paid. And it's a big price. It's a big price ticket. And no man could do it. But God said, I'm going to send someone to pay the price for them. And matter of fact, I'm going to have them so profound that they're going to take the keys and lose everybody in the prison. Every single person that is in prison, I'm going to give him the keys. If he overcomes everything that is upon them. So the Bible talks about the fact that he prepared thee a body. In the Hebrews, it talks about thou hast prepared a body for thee. And in the fullness of time, because remember now, God has to wait for the fullness of time for everything to transpire. And so there was 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament writing. And that means that the 400 years without the voice of God, which means that it gets darker and darker and darker and darker and darker. The longer God keeps his voice shut, the darker it gets. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So God did not do anything for 400 years until the ripeness of the time. And when Jesus comes on the scene, what he finds is that the people are in darkness. They are under bondage, not only spiritual bondage, but they are under physical bondage to the Roman government that overruled them at that time. They are, they are in bondage. And I don't know if you really know what bondage is. Many of us think we have freedom. You don't have freedom. If you are bound to your ideals or bound to your thoughts or bound to your yesterday, you are still in prison. If yesterday has got you and you have not got over it, you are in a prison. 
If you're still struggling with things that are coming up in your flesh, that means you're still in a prison. Someone says, I'm saved. You might be saved, but you're still in the prison. People are still in the prison. Just as saved, come to church, clap their hands, but they're bound by their past. They're bound by yesterday. They're bound by the iniquities of generational curses that have been handed down from generation to generation. Jesus comes on the scene, and what he does is that he, he does this. I'll take the price. I'll pay the price. I'll make sure that when they're free, they're free. The Bible says who the son set free is what? Free indeed. That means when Jesus came, that means that he said, I'm going to pay every single price that need to be paid so that you can be free. That means the way you think. That means your past he can eliminate. That means the things that have been done to you, that have gripped you for years, you can now forgive and you can move on. That means the things that you have practiced from day to day and day to day that have, that have gripped you and that you have the can't help it. You know about the can't help it. Ain't nobody saying nothing, but I know you don't know about the, I know you know about the can't help it. I can't help myself. Something is driving me. That means that you're in a prison. But Jesus says, I'll pay the price for your imprisonment so that you can be free. That means that bad character that comes out every so often, he paid the price for that. That means those thoughts that have come to your mind that you receive and that you think after, and you're sitting there meditating on those bad thoughts, he paid the price so that you can have clean thoughts. The secrets that you've never told anybody about what you have done, he said, I'll pay that too. I'll pay every single requirement that God requires so that you can be free. So he steps in and he says, what, is, what shall I do? What can I do? And what, he's, and what God tells him is that you got to take on the sins of every human being. That means you've got to take on the sins of those in Africa, those in Asia, those in China, those that are in America, those that are in South America. Every single person from the time of Adam until the last person born in this world before the world ends, you've got to take on them all. Every single person. Are you willing to do it? Yes. What it's going to take? It's going to take you to die. All right, I can die. But before you die, you got to be beaten. You got to be beaten so much that they don't even recognize that what they're looking at is their sin. That's why the Bible says they hid their faces from him. When they looked upon him, they had to turn their face because they didn't even recognize they were looking at themselves in the mirror. They were looking at themselves and they had to turn away. They didn't even recognize that it was them. Because sin is ugly. Iniquity is ugly. Are you willing to do it? Are you willing to do it, Jesus? Yes. It's going to cause you pain. I'm willing to endure it. 
They're going to strip your back down until it is, it's like a razor and the skin is going to strip off of it. And while you're walking, the skin is going to drag behind you. I'm willing to do it. They're going to beat you so bad that parts of your face is going to hang down. Are you willing to do it? I'm willing to do it. Every ounce of blood that's going to come out of you is going to be slow. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to be slow. Are you willing to do it? Yes. And not only just the physical side, but everybody that you were with is going to reject you. Everybody that you thought that was going to be with you is going to scatter and going to reject you. You're going to be by yourself. And at some point, I won't be with you either. This is the price you're going to have to pay to pay for their sins because their sins are great. I'm going to reject you. They're going to reject you. And the people that actually honored you when you came in to the city of Jerusalem and they said, Hosanna, which actually means save us. They're going to be the same people that's going to say, kill him and crucify him and hang him on a tree. They're going to be the same ones that have held you to save us. They're going to be the same ones that out of their mouth are going to say, crucify you. Isn't it funny how we think people sometimes are with us and, and then we find out that they're not? And so we have this emotional detachment because now Jesus is in emotional detachment. Not only did the disciples forsake him, all the people that were with him, the ones that he healed their blinded eyes, the ones that jumped up out of the wheelchair, the ones that were dumb and they spoke, and those that were deaf, the ears popped open, those same ones rejected him. I can imagine, I can see right now, some of them backed up when they said crucify. They just came in the crowd and didn't say anything. Because if you don't say anything, that means you're in agreement. That's why your voice should be hurling loud when someone's, when sin comes up to our nations or anything like that. You ought to have a voice. You ought to tell somebody, I'm not for that. Because Jesus did it for you. Are you listening to what I'm saying? you got to come to the reality. Everybody in here come to the reality. This is not something that is just a, a small deal. This is a big deal. This is your life. This is your life. This is your eternity. Everybody thinks that death in some kind of way is just going to be the end to it. It is just the beginning. Because you could die to die or you could die to live. you got to choose. Everybody's got to choose. We don't preach the gospel enough to let people know what the reality of it is. The reality of it is if you don't choose Jesus, there's no other place to go. There's nowhere else to go. So he made the commitment, I'll go through. And obviously he has some kind of concerns because in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, said, Lord, if you allow this cup to pass from me, can I let this cup pass from me? Do I really have to go through this? Do I really have to put my life down for them? You got to think about it. For us, because we are a mess. We always talk about that person's a mess. That's a mess. Guess what? We all a mess. I'm talking about every preacher, every apostle, every prophet, every person in the congregation, every person in the pews. We're all a mess. 
And we can't help ourselves because we're in a mess. And we are a mess. But Jesus says, I'll pay for all their messes. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he says, you know, when, he, when that question comes and he comes out of his mouth and says, uh, 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 is it possible, Lord? But he did something that was very, very interesting, and most of us don't even recognize it. He looked beyond where he was at, and he looked at you. He looked at his firstborn. He looked at the church. He looked at his bride. He looked at you as an individual and said, if I don't go through this, then they're going to be in damnation forever. I know it's a great price. I know it's a price that is going to cost me just more than my life. It's going to cost me pain. It's going to cost me experience. It's going to cost me to be brutalized. By the very hands that hurl me as a great wonder worker. People don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear the truth. <laughs> but what did he do? And we all should take note of this. It's not my will, but thy will be done. This is your purpose. So I'll pay it. So he lays his life down. So there's four things that happens. And most of us, we only talk about the death, burial, and resurrection. But there, there's something that we miss. The brutalization of Christ. He was brutalized so that you could be healed. Let me just tell you something right now. 39 stripes represent 39 major diseases category of disease and every stripe was for your healing that's why if you understand how how the spirit operates that that's why cancer can't survive in the atmosphere of of the glory because the price had been already paid that's why you got to let stuff go because if you don't let stuff go you give the enemy legal right to destroy you and that's what the enemy wants to do. Because if we do not give our life to him, we give the enemy a legal right to destroy our lives. And guess what? He is not in a hurry to destroy your life. He's in a hurry to dispel it and lose your witness. So that you won't say that God did it. So he wants to destroy your life slowly so everybody can see you going down. So that everybody can see you going through something and that you finally give up. And you finally say, you know, what? this is not worth it all. So you can deny Christ so that and when he's in the heavenly place and he's accusing the brother, he will sit there and tell God, listen, they, they literally said you're not the one. You can't do it. God, you can't even save me. And the enemy, what does God have to do? He doesn't, he can't do anything because once you make your choice, because God is never going to override your choice. The enemy comes in and, say, and, and God says, I can't, my hands are tied. Out of your own mind, you denied him. Out of your own mouth, you determined that he's not able to do it. Are you listening to what I'm saying? You need to understand the, the dynamics of what is happening. 
So what does Christ do? He lay his life down. They beat him. And guess when they beat him? They make him walk through the cobbled streets of Jerusalem, carrying a rugged cross. And this cross that he's carrying, it represents the weight of sin. You can't carry it. I can't carry it. And Jesus at some point couldn't even carry the weight of it. He had to have help. That's how heavy it is. People don't even recognize today that sin will destroy your life forever. Iniquity will destroy your life forever. And there's people that are living today that the enemy is destroying their life. And most people don't even recognize that the enemy is destroying you. They're in a prison. Jesus lays down his life. He lays it down. He was beaten. Blood is being shed. But there's half things that are happening. God is marking up every, every price. Every, he's keeping a notebook of the bill. The notebook says that sickness taken care of. Disease, check it off. Everything that you could imagine in the human mind, God is checking it off the list because it's already been paid. It's paid, 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 it's paid. Now for us to make that, in order for us to make that good, Jesus, you got to put the, put your, take your, and you got to shed your blood. And the blood has got to be symbolic of what's going to happen to the ones that you die for. Because your blood is for the sins of the world. So they hang him high. And come out of his body is the blood that is dripping down. There's an old song that says, see how he died. The blood is dripping down on the side of that cross. And in the back of what was called God Gotha's Hill, there stood a stream. <laughs> there was a stream there. And the blood began to drip into the stream. And guess where the stream went? To the sea. And this is why the, 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 the prophet said that he will put your sin in the sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more. He washed them away. Washed them away. So guess what? Every sin that you have ever committed, everything that I talked about before can no longer hold you bound. It's been forgiven. And when you stand before God, none of it will come out of his mouth. He's not going to bring it back up because there's nothing to bring back up because it's gone forever. You ought to be glad just about that. Because sometimes there are people here that will actually remind you of what you did 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 5 years ago, a year ago, and God has already forgiven you. Let me tell you something. Nobody here is greater than the forgiving Jesus. Nobody's in here. And you cannot commit enough sins that he cannot forgive you for. 
Matter of fact, the Bible says that if you ask 70 times 70, he will forgive you 70 times 70. So you, even can't, you can't even commit enough that he cannot forgive. Don't let the enemy get you thinking that you are not, not able to fulfill what God has for your life because of sin that you have committed. You've got to deal with it. If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sin and, do, and does what? Cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. How many glad that that provision is in the covenant that God and let me just tell you something here. This is just a, a little sidebar. When you are dealing with things and you can't overcome things and you're trying it in, you need to take it into the courts of heaven and present the case of the covenant that you have, Lord. This is the covenant that you have, that, Lord, you have said in your words that you forgive me if I confess. And you might as well just be open and just might as well just go ahead and just tell them all about your stuff. That means that you ain't got to tell everybody all your business. Because some, of the, some people are full of the devil. And they'll try to bring it right back up to you. I remember when you told me. Y'all know how folk are. But aren't you so glad that Jesus, the intercessor. The intercessor. The one that made a way, the one that goes between, that makes a plea for you, has called you clean because the blood is covering you. Ah. He got you out of that prison. When he died, the Bible says he had the keys of death, hell, and the grave. That means the keys was hanging on the side of his belt. And when he died, the blood was shed and he went down into hell. And let me just tell you a little bit about this place. Before then, it was two compartments and down in the center of the earth. One was called Paradise and one was called Hades. That's where the Hades is where the, the rich man lifted up his eyes. And on the other side was called Paradise. Well, since Christ had redeemed us, why would he leave paradise next to Hades? So when he went down there into hell, he was down there three days. He was down there three days. And guess what he was doing down there three days? He was taking the authority away from the enemy. He kicked open paradise and said, all of you that are here, come on with me. And they walked out. And let me tell you how powerful the resurrection is. Is that when he, got, when he got up, they got up. The Bible said they walked around in Jerusalem and was seen of many. Why did they have to empty out paradise? Because he had to pick it up and put it into the presence of the Lord. That's why Paul says that I was in the spirit on the Lord. Uh, I, was, I was in the spirit. I do not know where, but guess what? I was in paradise and I saw things. That's why the Bible says that when the saints of the Lord die, they just don't die and they, they go directly into the presence. They're directly in the presence of the Lord. That's why we don't, we don't, we, 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 we don't um, lose hope like other people. We have hope. Matter of fact, when you get to heaven, you're going to be very surprised of how joyful it is. 
And if Jesus was to ask you to come back, you would say, no, I won't go back. I won't go back. I won't go back. I'm staying here. Are you listening to what I'm saying? But even after he paid that price and he unlocked the prison, still people won't get out of the prison. The door is open, but you won't walk out. You're saved, but you won't walk out. Just like the Israelites, when they got free and they got out in, 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 in the mountain and they decided that and Moses had left to go up and get the commandments of the Lord, and guess what they did? They said, he have left us. We're by ourselves. And they went back to their old ways because they did not trust their God. So those of you that are still in your spiritual prison, it's time for you to walk out. The door is open. He unlocked the door. It's open. You can walk out and you can be free. Why can you be free? Because guess what? You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You are new. You are a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have what? Passed away and behold, all things have become what? New. Because the price has been paid. The amazing thing is that you have been born again. To be born again means that you are new. You don't have to live the way that you lived before. You now can live a new life. You cannot just allow the enemy to come and fool you and deceive you into thinking that you're just the same old person. You're not. You're brand new. You're a new creature. Hallelujah. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. That means a lot. Those are, there's benefits that's just coming with being a, a new creature in Christ Jesus. That means that you can always walk under an open heaven. That means that you can always, always call on the angelic host for your assistance. That means that when you go through the test, he's with you and he'll never leave you or forsake you. That means that when you're in trouble, he's an ever-present help in the time of trouble. When it seems like the door is closed, there's something about being a, a, a child of God is that he specializes in opening doors that have been closed. Or if a door is not there, he'll make a door so you can walk through. When the enemy comes at you like a flood, he'll lift up a standard. He'll have heaven on your behalf to cause the enemy to scramble. The enemy will come at you one way, but he shall flee seven ways. Why? Because you're brand new. You're his child. And what? father will allow their child to be beaten. You cannot be beaten. The Bible already declares that you are victorious in Christ Jesus. Let me just tell you something. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You ought to be grateful. Are you grateful for that? You ought to just give him praise right now for that. But that's not the end of the story. That is just not the end of the story. Everybody thinks that's the end of the story. I'm saved, I'm sanctified, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, and I'm, 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 I'm fine. You're not fine. Because he's called and commissioned you to do something. You saved, he bought you. The Bible says he bought you with the precious blood of Jesus, did he not? And he wants you to do something for him. He wants you to go out, and he wants you to be his representative in the earth. 
He doesn't want you to just sit there and rejoice in the pews. He wants you to go out there and tell somebody else uh, that somebody by the name of Jesus saved me. He wants you to be the representative so that when you go out into the world and people sit there and say, who are you? I'm glad that you asked that because now I'm going to tell you who I am. I am a child of the God that created you. And because he created you, I have come to give you good news that you're in a prison that you need to get out. Your mind is messed up and God can fix your mind. Your situation is messed up and God can fix your situation and change things around and I guarantee it. Well, how can you guarantee that? Because I'm connected with him because I'm telling you what God will do for you because he did it for me. But here's the thing. You still can't do it. You can't be a perfect testimony. You cannot be a perfect person to tell everybody because we're still in this human body. So he said, I'm going to give you help. I'm going to give you someone that will help you. I'm going to give you somebody that will give you the edge. And because you got the edge now, you have power. I'm going to equip you. What, I'm going to, what are you going to equip me with? I'm going to equip you with supernatural power to show the devils that you're in charge. I'm not down here anymore. That's not my job. I'm the intercessor now. Somebody's got to take on the ministry, and I'm going to give it to you. And because I'm going to give it to you, I'm going to equip you with it. So I'm going to give you the tools that you need, and you need power. This power is something that, that no devil in the earth can deal with. Nothing can compare to it. Are you listening to what I'm saying? This power is higher than anything in earth. Matter of fact, it's the same power that created the world. It's the same power that caused the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. It's the same power that when you speak, the angels stand attention and say, I must perform what God has said because it comes from his mouth. Are you listening to me? <laughs> it's not about... This is not about you. It's about what my purpose is. I love the world. God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. And so now you are responsible for going into the world and causing havoc because the enemy that tricks you now is subject to you. The enemy that puts you in the prison, now you can take vengeance on him by destroying what he's doing in other people's lives. Then he have locked the gates, put you in chains, destroyed your personality, destroyed your future. Now you have a right to go after him and destroy him. That Goliath is going down. Because you have the power now. You have the authority. I'm giving it to you so you can take vengeance out of what the enemy did to you. Now you can snatch from him. For this purpose will the Son of God manifest it, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And this is the reason why you were born again. So you can destroy the works of the devil in somebody else's life. Somebody needs you. You're not just in church to clap your hands. You're not just in church to jump and shout. You've been empowered by God to destroy what the enemy is doing in somebody else's life. That's why he says, I will give you a comforter and he will be the Holy Ghost. And whatever you need, whatever you need to get in touch with heaven, oh, I, I give you a language. 
that the devil can't interpret. I give you a language that when you need to call on heaven, heaven is at your disposal. So all you need to do is speak that language, step into the realm of the spirit, grab the tools you need, and go out and destroy what the enemy is doing. That's what I gave you. And at the end of the war, it's something else that's so dramatic, so, so wonderful. And, you know, salvation doesn't include I'm saved again, but there's something better than that. Because being saved means that you've been redeemed, means you're a child of God, right? But you've got eternity. You've got eternity. What am I going to do in eternity? God says that when you finish, I'm going to give you a reward. Not only am I going to give you a reward, but what I'm going to do is that I'm going to make you a king. You're going to rule with me. You're going to sit with me. You're going to judge angels. You're going to judge those angels that have fallen. You're going to judge them too. You're going to sit with me and we're going to make a judgment call. Because you are a king. So you've got something wonderful. So salvation just doesn't give you just... I'm born again and I'm a new creature, but it gives you rights to be a joint heir with him, to be a joint heir with him. That means that what he has, I have. What he does, I do. And that's why we're practicing it down here, because he's preparing you to do what he does up there. You rule with authority. You rule with power. So he's got to give you something to, to, to expand your power, your rule. Hey, listen and we just thought that we just got here and just clap our hands and be saved and sing some song on a hill far away. You got to remember the hill because if it wasn't for the hill, you wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for Golgotha, we wouldn't be here. If, you, if it wasn't for the shedding of his blood, none of us would be here. But we're here right now and we ought to rejoice in the fact that God loved us enough to send his son to die for us, to die for our mess, die for our stuff, die for all the mess that we have done because we are messed up without him. The sentence have been canceled. You don't have the punishment on you anymore. You are now free. And who the son set free is what is free indeed. That's what the Bible said. I am free. How many know that you're free today? You're free today, but don't forget that beyond your freedom, you got something to do. And that means you got to go out and you got to destroy the work of the devil on somebody else's life. There are people that are mentally incapable. There are people that can't go into the heavenly place themselves. There are people that do not know how to get rid of the cancer in their body. There are people that don't know how to get rid of the mental anguish that is going on. There are people that are suffering emotionally. There are people that are suffering physically. There are people that are suffering spiritually. And you have the keys. You have the authority. You have the power. You have the voice. You got it. That's why you have the Holy Ghost. That's why he saved you, so that you can save the world from their sins. Because without that, they are dying. They are being destroyed. The Bible says hell is enlarging itself to await thee at thy coming, and is stirring up the dead, and is saying, hello. You got to stop the growth of hell. You got to shut the mouth of hell from those that are going there by the thousands every single day because they don't know and because we're not doing our job. Come out of the prison. 
get out of the prison of your yesterday and walk in the newness of life. Separate yourself from the things of yesterday and walk in the provision and walk in the power and walk in the glory of God because he saved you. You just can't sit there at home, watch TV. Somebody is dying. Somebody is being destroyed by the enemy. Pick up the phone and pray for them. Call a word over their life. Learn how to prophesy over their life. Learn how to be a seer. Learn how to see what's oppressing people. Because you have the authority. You have the power. God gave it to you. You got to ask the question, what am I doing with it? God is going to call you into account for what you're doing because you have been brought. You're no longer your own. saved and that's very little to compare to what he has done you're not just saved you're a king's child you're not just a king's child you share in the authority of the king of kings and lord of lords you have the holy ghost as your weapon of destruction on the enemy are you listening you can't do it anymore. You cannot stay still. It's got to get down in your bones like Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, I won't do it because sometimes it's rough down here. Sometimes war is hard. Sometimes things get a little messy. Sometimes we want to give up. But those that really have it inside of them, those that really got it inside of their bellies, those that really got it inside of themselves, you might be silent for a minute. You might be silent for a day. But something inside of you just keeps stirring up. It keeps stirring up. It just keeps stirring up. And as Jeremiah said, it's like fire shut up in my boat. I cannot be still. I cannot stay down. I got to get up and I have to say, thus said the Lord God Almighty. The love of God is beyond comprehension. It's beyond any excuses, beyond what we can explain. But God says, I want you to share with them my love. Let them walk that journey that you're walking so they can know me. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A symbol of suffering and shame. It's a symbol of the price that's been paid for you. It's a symbol of the price that God sent his son to pay for you. For me. He paid it. Yes, he did. He paid it. And because of our gratitude, we come and lift him. We come and praise him. We come in fellowship with him. We come and lift his name up. And the Bible talks about a refreshing coming from the presence of the Lord in the book of Acts. It talks about refreshing. When you get tired, the Bible said the young shall utterly fall. They shall get tired. But he says, I will renew your strength and you shall mount up on wings like an eagle. It's time for us to mount up on the wings because God is sending a refreshing. I'm prophesying to you right now. If you want that refreshing, you need to just lift your hands up and you need to stand on your feet and just give God praise. If you want that refreshing, that only could come from the present. Church can't do it for you. A pastor can't do it for you. 
an apostle can't do it for you. People can't do it for you. This only comes from the presence. This only comes from the presence of the Lord. It only comes from his presence. It doesn't come from nobody else, but it comes from the presence of the Lord. A refreshing that comes down and refreshes you. And so I want you to ask God for the refreshing. I ask you to ask God for the wind. I ask you to ask God for the refreshing that is in my soul. Because some of us are dry. We haven't walked out of the prison. It's time for you to walk out of your prison. It's time for you to know that there's a newness that is coming. There's a refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. And God wants to do it for you right now. You've been dry. You felt like somebody has put you back into a prison. Now it's time for you to get up out of that prison. The Bible says that the kingdom suffers violence. And that violence taketh by what? Force. That means that you got to get the tenacity and say, I'm level, devil, I'm not going to let you have me. I'm not going back in that prison. I came out. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I've been commissioned by God to go out and share the gospel with power, signs, and wonders. I am a child of the King. I am going to fulfill my mission. And I'm not going to fulfill it by myself because you gave me the Holy Ghost. Comforter. A comforter. You got a powerhouse. You talk about Trump talking about dropping the mother of them all. You got the drop. You got the mother of them all. It's called the Holy Ghost. And he's more powerful than any atom bomb. He's more powerful than a nuclear bomb. He's more powerful than anything that you could imagine. Yes, Father, I thank you. I thank you. And if you want to, you just take the hand of the person next to you. I want you to just pray for them. Just pray for them. There's somebody that's going through. There's somebody that needs to come out of the prison. You are the one that has their key. God has given you the key now. You have the key. He took the key and he gave it to the church. And so we have the key. And so it's up to us right now to loose those that are bound. Those that need to be loosed from their death, their death sentence, loose from their prison, not knowing that just being saved is not good, is not good enough. You gotta go on and we're in the walk of the power and war against the enemy. Yes, Father. 